We're going to be in James chapter 3. If you have not been with us, we are going through this letter that James has written to the believers. And as he uh, writes uh, to the believers, there are many uh, practical uh, things that he draws and gives attention to that the believer must pay attention to. And specifically, today we look at godly wisdom for life. When you think of the word wisdom, what comes to your mind? Are you a person that people go to and ask you for wisdom? Who is the wisest person that you have ever known? But why are they the wisest person you have ever known? Ask yourself this, does your life exhibit wisdom of the world or wisdom of God? James asks a question as he does throughout James, and it's like a test for believers. And here we come to another test. He asks the question to the believers, who is wise and understanding among you? And that's the question for you and I. Who is wise and understanding among the body of Christ here at Discovery that gathers in the name of Christ? It's the question that we see in chapter 3. We'll read James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, and specifically the scriptural truth that we see from this text is an action for the believers. Seek the true wisdom of God for righteous living. Seek the true wisdom of God for righteous living. Look now with me at James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The Word of God. Again, Father, we thank you for blessing us and giving us your word that we have to read and also that we can have understanding. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for a blessing on the reading and the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what we have here is two descriptions of wisdom, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And he emphasizes, obviously, that we are to seek a godly wisdom, but let us first look to what is earthly or false wisdom in verses 13 through 16. As we look at this, James emphasized in chapter 1, where we were at a few weeks ago, he says in verse 5, after saying, if you have trials in your life, count it all joy because God gives those things and allows those trials because the outcome is your growth uh, in your walk with the Lord, a process of sanctification. And in verse 5 of chapter 1, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, right after talking about the trials, and you may be wondering, why am I going through this trial? He says, if you lack wisdom, simply you are to ask God, who has all the wisdom and gives generously to those who ask. And so here in verse 13 now, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? You need to seriously ask that question of yourself and of the body of Christ this morning. 
who is wise and understanding among you? He speaks of wise or wisdom, and he speaks of this wisdom as only coming from God. Back in verse 5 of chapter 1, we'll see him approach wisdom again in this text and also in the book of James as we continue. And it points us to the Word of God in all of its entirety, and specifically I want you to look in the Old Testament to the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, written by King Solomon, the Word of God says that he was granted wisdom to be the wisest man to ever live, because when God asked him what he desired, he did not ask for riches, he did not ask for power, but he simply asked God to make him wise. And so God granted him wisdom to make him the wisest man, as Scripture says. And here is Proverbs chapter 1, right from the beginning. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools or foolish people despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom begins when you have an awe and a reverence and a right fear of God that He is a holy God who has given you life and breath and you are to worship and serve Him all the days of your life. And if you read chapter 1, which again, your assignment this week is read Proverbs. I know that there's uh, 31 chapters there. You can read that. If you are like, I can't read it all, then read a chapter a day. Read Proverbs chapter 1 to begin with. Wisdom begins with knowing God and having a proper reverence of Him for Him. And then in chapter 2, he goes on and he says in verse 9, Then, if you're seeking this, you will understand righteousness. So remember, James is saying that the goal is righteous living. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. That as God gives godly wisdom, He gives also a right understanding of the Word of God. So when we seek out godly wisdom, we want to understand rightly, which the Holy Spirit does. If you continue in Proverbs chapter 2, He helps and writes and helps us understand that godly wisdom is rightly understood and will result in a life of walking in a right manner. Verse 20, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteous. Now, if you look at the slide that's on the screen, this little summary of here, it says Proverbs, you'll see this. He says, seek godly wisdom. If you seek godly wisdom, you get right understanding. And when you have right understanding, then you walk rightly, just like what James is saying. Very simple when you read that. But there is the need for God to work in our hearts to give us that understanding. Go back to James chapter 3, look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? He says, by his good conduct or by his life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. He has not departed from chapter 2 in which we spent time and he says that faith and works go together. That the person who has true faith in God always, always has good works. That you cannot separate the two. You cannot have a fruitless Christian. A Christian who has true faith in God will always have good works which glorify God, which are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But he says his good conduct or our good conduct, our life, our acts of obedience uh, done to God day after day, that we would rightly follow Him and be obedient to His Word. This is the picture of this good conduct of the life of a believer. And it says, and good works, but what's the key there? How is it done? 
It says in what? Verse 13. His works in the what? My version says meekness of wisdom. When we do the good works of God, followed by the faith that we have in Christ alone, it is to be done in meekness. And so it is demonstrated that we then have godly wisdom. What does that mean? Meekness means gentleness. Jesus Christ displayed his life of meekness. That we are able to accept all of God's dealings with us in a way that we would not fight back. That we are gentle. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Only good works that are done in meekness, the Word of God considers as wise living. Do you want to be a wise person? Yes? No? Well, this is what James is laying out. If you want to live a wise way of life, With godly wisdom, these things are what follow. And when we live in that manner, other people see that in you. And Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, verse 12, Keep your conduct or your life among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That the world who is not following Christ would see you as a follower of Christ doing good works in the name of God in a meek and a gentle manner that they would, instead of calling you an evildoer, those Christians, those hypocrites, that they would see the good works done in faith and they would praise God and give Him glory because they see Christ in you, the hope of glory. But here is the danger. For all of us, that if we desire to be wise people with godly wisdom, desiring to do good works, you have the danger to not be people that are meek, but to be people who are prideful, who are filled with pride, We're, and we become proud of our good works to the point that we trust ourselves more than we trust God. Going back to chapter 1 when we face trials and imagine trying to go through the trials of your life without godly wisdom but set on worldly wisdom or being prideful in your life, you will fall. You will not be brought through in that manner which you are too because you're seeking your own glory and your own wisdom and you are prideful. Know this, that God is the one who gives true wisdom. He also gives the ability for those who live in the wisdom of God to be able to do the good works by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the summary of verse 13 there is, true wisdom produces good works done in meekness and humility. So now let's look at what he says is just the opposite of that, earthly false wisdom there in verse 14 and 15. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He is writing this to Christians. He's not writing this to non-Christians. He's writing this to you if you are a follower of Christ. No bitter jealousy. No selfish ambition in your heart. Do not boast. Do not be prideful. I was thinking about this, that I think the epitome of earthly wisdom today is seen in the selfie stick. You know, you, some of you have one of those. I have one of those. Put your phone on the end of the stick and hold it up to take a selfie, right? Take a picture of yourself. Some people call it the narcissism wand, or the wand of narcissism. 
I mean, if you have more selfie pictures of yourself than your children or your family, you just might be a narcissist. I think of that, though. Everything in our culture is about us, about me, about you, me, myself, and I. And the world gives false wisdom, which tells you, you need to be about yourself only. And if you need God, it's only when you need Him. And so it's all about me. I love me. Earthly wisdom is full of pridefulness. It's false wisdom, and it's not of God. And so the key here, look at verse 14. It says, in your hearts, if you boast of your life and boast of the wisdom that you have or the knowledge that you think that you have, jealousy and selfish ambition, all those things, you're living a lie. Now, as Christians, though, you might say, well, Pastor Paul, sometimes I get jealous. You probably do. Sometimes I am about myself. You probably do. Because God is sanctifying you, causing you to grow in Christ. And so the way of selfish ambition and these things that we lived our life before Christ still come up and show itself. And sometimes we continue to search after those things. But God is continuing to make you more and more like Christ. The key here, though, it says, in your hearts. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a new heart The heart of stone has been taken away. The heart of flesh has been given to you. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in your life. So there is a battle between sin and walking in holiness and righteousness. So take the test. Ask yourself the question. Look at verse 14. Every one of you ask yourself this. Is my heart full of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition today? If it's full of that, and that's just promoting that, then you maybe you don't have faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit's opened your eyes to that. If you're a follower of Christ and your heart is still battling with these things, these is where, this is where you need to take it to the Lord and seek the wisdom of God so that the boasting and the pridefulness and the jealousy and all those things that come out, your selfish ambition go to the side and Christ is the one that is elevated in your life. Bitter jealousy... Are you harsh towards other people? Do you resent people, even within the body of Christ? Selfish ambition. Do you seek only everything for yourself? Do you put yourself forward, even if it hurts other people? The Word of God tells us that none of us should boast, other than boasting in Jesus Christ. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet He says this in chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight declares the Lord did you see the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God the wisdom for godly living is this he says that he understands and knows me the Lord God Almighty who practices steadfast love justice righteousness again this is what James is calling the believers to life and live in that way 
And it's not anything new from the rest of Scripture for God's people. Look back in James chapter 3, verse 15. Describing that earthly wisdom, James clearly says, This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If you remember back to chapters 1, 2, and 3, and as we looked at Scripture there, it talks about the Father of lights, that all good and, and, and gifts are from Him that come down from above. Here He says, this earthly wisdom, it's not from above. It's not from God. Your boasting, your pridefulness, your selfishness, your jealousy, those things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This is serious. This is written to you if you're a follower of Christ. Again, earthly, worldly wisdom starts with it's all about me. Love me. I love me. God is for me. That's all worldly wisdom. It's earthly. It's again the pridefulness of our hearts. And that leads to jealousy, selfishness, and boasting. But he also says this earthly wisdom is unspiritual or fleshly. It's earthly wisdom that is not led by the Spirit of God, but by man's own power. We read a few weeks back in James chapter 2, verse 26. For as the body, apart from the Spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. He's laying out these differences between what is spiritual in the sense of the Holy Spirit living in the life of the believer and what is not spiritual. And so as James, as we saw in chapter 2, when the body dies, the spirit goes to heaven with the Lord in Hebrews 12, 23. And it says the spirit is perfected in holiness. And one day when, when Christ returns and the believer, the spirit is rejoined with their body, a glorified body, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But there is a difference between the person who is spiritual in Christ and the person who is unspiritual. Because the unspiritual, natural person who you were before Christ does not receive the wisdom that comes from above in God. The unspiritual, natural person actually sees godly wisdom and laughs at it like a fool. Proverbs repeatedly points out the foolish man, the foolish woman rejects the wisdom of God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about spiritual and unspiritual people and the wisdom of God and foolishness and what is true wisdom. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the, the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, just like the proverbs write. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. Amen? The unspiritual, natural person, as Paul also writes, is blinded by Satan to the things of the wisdom of God before Christ saves you. There is no desire to seek godly wisdom. We think that we're doing good things and a moral life, but not seeking the wisdom of God is just like the fool that's described in the book of Proverbs. And so the worldly wisdom is earthly, it's, it's worldly, it's unspiritual, he says, it's fleshly in verse 15, but what's the third thing that he says? It is what in verse 15 of James 3? What? Did he say demonic? Seriously? Fallen angels, demons, Satan? What does he mean here? The world offers you wisdom which is demonic. The things of this world that are not of God that you may think, oh, this is great for my life. Give me four tips to how to make my marriage better. Give me ten things of how to improve in my work and all these things. Oh, you, the list goes on and on. The things of the world are earthly. They're unspiritual and demonic. Here's three examples. Stay with me because they're controversial. In our schools of America... Many schools are teaching three things. CRT, critical race theory. Some of you say, oh, don't go get political here. I'm not being political. I'm showing you what is worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. CRT teaches, and its intent is to indoctrinate children with one particular view of race. You're like, don't get political. LGBTQ ideology. You say, Pastor, don't be judgmental. No, I'm speaking just that you would understand worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Some of you are going, oh, he said that in church. LGBTQ plus and on ideology is being taught to sexualize children. To have teachers that would stand in a place where children are learning and say that the Word of God is bigoted and prejudiced because the Word of God says that only marriage is for a man and a wife. This is taught all over. Don't tell me it's not. And don't try to just ignore it. Abortion. The world teaches that taking the life of a baby in the womb is not murder and is not killing because it's a group of cells, it's all this stuff, even when the baby is almost to be born or as a state this week passed some legislation that maybe even up to 24 or 26 days after a baby is born, you can still abort them. Church, that's murder. So these things are demonic. As Jesus says, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And some of you would say, how dare he talk about politics? That's not politics. If you want to make it politics, make it politics. There is worldly wisdom that is satanic, demonic, and there is the truth of God which you find here. Please hold to this. 
And also, don't ignore the things of the world. Don't think, oh, it's not going to affect my kids. They're almost out of school. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect my grandchildren. We all love the Lord. Are you raising them in the word of the Lord and the truth of the Lord? Or do you let your children just run and say, well, Lord, I give them to you. 1 Kings chapter 11. I wasn't going to read this, but go ahead and turn there. King Solomon, the wisest man to live with the wisdom of God, began to stray from the wisdom of God. And listen to what happened to him. 1 Kings chapter 11. Verse 4. Verse 4. When Solomon was old, Solomon was old. of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he died for all his foreign wives. That is such One of them mentioned there is Moloch. The nation of Israel departed from the wisdom of God and began to sacrifice their children, to murder their children, as there would be statues made where his hands were on fire, and they would take their children, thinking that they're doing right, worldly wisdom, and they would sacrifice or toss their child into the fire and sacrifice them. Church, you might say, I'm not sacrificing my children. But do you see how the wisest man in the world seeking godly wisdom ended his life worshiping other gods? Do you see that? The danger in you investing your life into the wisdom of the world. You should invest it into the wisdom of God so that you know what is lie, what is true, what is false, what is right and holy so that you can live and pray that God would help you live that way. And so don't turn a blind eye to the things of this world just because you know, oh yeah, I know that's all bad stuff. Don't just ignore it. Speak the word of truth. Help other people see the truth of God. If you go back to James chapter 3, if we are seeking after the earthly, unspiritual, worldly wisdom, we're seeking after demonic wisdom, wisdom from Satan, all the lies and the things that he wants you to believe. The Apostle Paul says that the, earth, the, the world rejects the wisdom of God and they think the wisdom of God is foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, for the, world, for the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so what you have is the world sees the cross and thinks it's foolishness. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and many think it's, it's very foolish things. 
but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so what do we mean by this? As the world is seeking after earthly, worldly wisdom, and they hear, they hear you, a follower of Christ, speak the gospel, many of them think it is foolishness. But for some, their eyes are open to the gospel of Jesus, and they believe and are saved. And so what is this that they call as foolishness? The foolishness to them is that God would set out before time a plan that He would send His Son to save His people from their sins and that Jesus Christ would be born into this world fully God, fully man and that He would never sin. He would never break God's law and He would go to the cross where He is nailed there, where He would bleed and where He would die and while He hung there, God the Father poured out the full cup of wrath upon His Son for the sins of His people And that Jesus Christ would die there and he would be placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he would be raised from death to life by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is ruling and reigning now. And he is returning where he will judge the living and the dead. And the majority of the world hears that and says, that's ridiculous that's foolishness and therefore the holy spirit is needed to stir hearts and open eyes to the gospel of jesus that we would see the mercy of god and believe in jesus christ crucified risen again the world rejects that verse 16 for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there will be disorder and every vile practice That's not surprising, is it? When people seek after worldly wisdom, we see it in this world. We see disorder and every vile practice. Look in your neighborhood. Look to other people that are seeking after worldly wisdom. You'll see disorder in their life and every vile practice. The problem is is he's writing this to the church. Church, we need to wake up. Disorder happens in the body of Christ. Every vile practice can be brought up in the body of Christ. And we are amazed and don't understand why does this happen? It is because there are many in Christian churches who are not saved. And they gather with other believers thinking that attending a church will save them and that what they're doing is right. And they bring division and disunity Because they're seeking things of the world. But also, believers, true believers, who get mixed up seeking after things and try to add in the world with God, also bring division among the body of Christ. I pray that that would not be anything part of the body of Christ here. But earthly wisdom leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to man, But its end is the way to what? Death. Earthly wisdom. Let's look at verse 17 and 18. The godly true wisdom. And this one is quite simple in the sense of it plainly says what we are to seek after. That we would understand that godly wisdom is a gift from God and that it gives and it produces practical Righteous results in the life of the believer. 
It says in verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I pray that you truly believe that God is the only source of true wisdom. I don't care what you've studied in this world, how many textbooks or whatever books or whatever degrees you have, however much you've studied and you have some knowledge, the Word of God does not highlight or elevate your knowledge. It points to godly wisdom, which you need. So some of you need to put some books down and read the Bible. Don't read books about godly wisdom unless you're going to read godly wisdom first. Don't find an author or someone who's trying to give you some understanding because they are man. Read the Word of God where you find the true wisdom of God. If you read in the Old Testament the book of Job, if you don't know about the life of Job, he lost everything. God allowed Satan to take out his children, his crops, everything he owned, even afflict him with sores all over his body. He continued to worship God. But his friends show up and they say, hey, Job, we're going to give you some wisdom. You need to know what happened. And basically, you've sinned against God. This is what's happening to you. But it was this thing that God allowed Satan to go after him. It wasn't about Job's sinfulness, even though he was still a sinner. And in chapter 28, a wonderful chapter, Job points about the wisdom of God, that true wisdom comes from God, and it leads to godly living. Look here at James. Look back at chapter 1 where we are at a number of weeks ago. Verse 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask who? God, who gives what? Generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in what? Faith, with no doubting, wavering. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. As you seek out earthly wisdom, that's what your life is like. One day you're over here in the Word of God, another day you're over here searching after this. And you're going back and forth and back and forth and you're wondering, you know, why is this happening? It's because you're over here in the earthly wisdom. And then you're like, oh wow, the, the, the joy of the Lord and the peace of my life is because you're seeking godly wisdom. Here's a list here. Godly wisdom is first pure. Spiritual integrity, innocence, moral blameless. That should be our pursuit as we seek godly wisdom to be people who are living pure lives committed wholly to the Lord, peaceable, peace-loving. It's not divisive, gentle, considerate, no revenge, kind, patient, humble. Are these things evident in your life? Gentle is one of the requirements for a man who's an elder in the body of Christ in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1, that an elder cannot be a shepherd in the church unless he's gentle. Think about our great shepherd, John chapter 10, the great shepherd. Is gentle, open to reason, submissive, obeying, teachable, full of mercy. Do you show mercy to others? Do you forgive quickly or do you hold grudges and do you hold things from people for years? Yet you look to the cross and you give thanks for how much God has forgiven you. Can you forgive? It says good fruits, fruit of the Spirit, 
Galatians chapter 5. You can find these lists throughout the New Testament. They overlap. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. James says, don't be impartial. We just read in uh, uh, in chapter 2 about not showing favoritism. Be sincere. Are you consistently displaying the qualities of godly wisdom in your life? Turn to Colossians chapter 3. If these things are evident in your life from seeking godly wisdom, think about how it blesses the body of Christ. Imagine if all these things are being played out among the body of Christ and you're living these things out. Think about the unity in Christ, the love for one another in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes this to the church and he says this in verse 12, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Sound familiar? Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And I'd say for many people, at times, we battle with and struggle with forgiving someone. Because it keeps reminding us, oh, they, but they did that. She said that. They did that to me. And what happens, we say we will forgive, but we don't. Because we keep bringing it up. We're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And if you're battling to forgive... Seek the wisdom of God that's found at the cross that he would forgive you of the greatness of your sin against him and he calls you to forgive others as well. The last verse in verse 18 here in James chapter 3. It says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Genuine, godly wisdom can and will bring, bring peace to the community of God's people, his church. He uses some farming uh, terminology here. Speaking of peacemakers who sow peace, that when the farmer sows the seed for whatever crop, there's a harvest that they pray for later will come. And so he says, if you are as a peacemaker, the wisdom of God sowing peace, it raises a harvest of righteousness. Therefore, you and I must ask, what's this harvest of righteousness? Briefly, We can find it all through James, throughout the New Testament. Three things that we see and we have seen in James. James chapter 1, verse 20, spoke of anger. How many of you have anger problems? How many of you are so angry and then you you say, no, I really don't, but you do have anger? James said in chapter 1, verse 20, anger does not produce righteousness. Righteousness includes all the qualities we just read in verse 17. Righteousness rejects the fruit of earthly wisdom, which we saw in verse 16. A harvest of righteousness will grow and flourish in the body of Christ. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are here, who have faith in Christ, We are to be people who are seeking godly wisdom that that would flow in our life, that there would be a harvest of righteousness, that we would walk rightly and humbly with our God in holiness and be called sons of God. Again, back to the point that we began with, this scriptural truth, simply seek the true wisdom of God for righteous living. 
And so I end with this. The question is, how can I get godly wisdom for righteous living? There's a slide back up on the screen again of those passages in Proverbs. Number one, seek godly wisdom. You must seek godly wisdom. And where, we, where do we find godly wisdom, church? Man, I thought by now you'd be like yelling it out. Maybe you're still trying to discern. Godly wisdom in the Word of God, the Bible. Seek godly wisdom. Pursue it because it's a gift, James says. So pursue it like it's treasure. If you knew that there was a ton of gold 10 feet underneath you and you had to get through concrete and rock, you would go find the tools to get to it. The treasure, the wisdom of God is here. Read it. Parents, guide your children in the Word of God and teach them what is earthly wisdom and what is godly wisdom. Don't rely on your children to just somehow pick up the Word of God one day and read it themselves. Don't rely, if your kids go to a Christian school, that they're just going to figure this out. You have a responsibility, if you are a Christian, to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. Give them the truth of God's Word. Spend your time on that than the rest of the earthly wisdom in this world. The second thing, you get right understanding when you seek godly wisdom. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of His people to understand. And as you go through life and you go through the trials of life, you will learn from them as you seek godly wisdom. And the result, as we saw in Proverbs 2.20, is you will walk rightly. That should be our desire today, to walk rightly, to walk humbly with our God and to know that there is nothing that we can do apart from the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in that way. And therefore, pray with me today that we would have such a hunger, a thirst for the living Word of God. Would you pray for me as I pray for you that we would so desire to spend all of our extra moments of our life reading His Word? And know this, as we read His Word, God is faithful. Amen? Amen. And He will give you understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to understand the truth. I want to read this passage and we're going to pray and we're going to close in song. And actually, would you stand with me? Would you pray with me as I go to this passage in Romans chapter 11, which so many times we've looked at on a Sunday morning, that you would know that the wisdom of God, the truth, the wisdom that's true is found in God. And it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen.